season to build. A season to build. Any, anybody here tried reading through Nehemiah chapter 3? There are many, many names there. Probably you have difficulty pronouncing. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read through this morning, but I'll pick up a few verses here and there because there are just names there. But you must know that no words in the Bibles are ever wasted. One commentator says, uh, Nehemiah chapter 3 is a colorless memorandum of assignments. He just said, this person do this job, this person build this wall, this person do long list of names. But I tell you what, there are a lot of wisdom that come out from this passage because I'm going to talk about how to work well with people. As the church rebuild, as we amalgamate, as we continue this project, they are bound to have uh, difficulty working with people. Mark Twain uh, used to say that uh, the more I deal with people, the more, or rather the more I get to know people, the more I love my dog. The Carnegie Technological Institute has stated that 90% of all people who fail in their life's vocation fail because they cannot get along with people. People are complex. Uh, motivational writer Dennis Kimbrough uh, says that some people are like whales. They don't work unless they are pushed. Some people are like trailers. They have to be pulled. Some people are like kites, always up in the air. If you don't keep a string on them, they'll fly away. Some people are like canoes. They have to be paddled. Some people are like blisters. I like this, especially working bees. They don't show up until the work is done. Some people are like balloons, always puff up and so full of themselves. Some people are like flat tires. They have to be jacked up and changed. And some people are like lights, always switching off and on. Human beings, we are very complex, very complex. And among pastors, we always have a joke that the best and most effective way to split a church is to start a building project. Many marriages fell apart when they built a house. Is it not true? Because you have a lot of decision to make and more things come to the surface. Uh, it's always tough. There's a story about a pastor had difficulty with the choir director. It's not uncommon. Pastors don't work with pastors. It's not uncommon because sinful nature. So there's this pastor that has a problem working with the minister of music. They were not getting along well and, and time went by and this began to spill over the worship service. And so the first week the preacher preached a, preach a sermon on commitment and how we all should dedicate ourselves to the service of God. And the music director lead the song, I shall not be moved. And then the second week the preacher preached on tithing how we all should gladly give to the work of the Lord. And the choir director led a song called Jesus Paid It All. And then the third week, the preacher preached on gossiping and how we should all watch our tongues. And the music director led a song called I Love to Tell the Story. And with all this going on, the preacher became very discouraged and decided that he would resign. And the musician led the song, Oh, Why Not Tonight? <laughs> 
And uh, finally, uh, the preacher did indeed resign. And the week he informed the church that it was Jesus who led him there, and it was Jesus that was taking him away. And then the music leader led the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Uh, human beings, we are very complex. It's very hard to handle people. If you are in, in it's very complex. Human beings, we are different culture, different backgrounds, different age groups, different spiritual maturity, different genes. Uh, we just are different. We are just different. And uh, Warren Weisby, a commentator, said that some people, they are constructionalists, helping to get the job done. Constructionalists. Some people are obstructionalists, getting in the way of those who are trying to get the job done. And some people are destructionalists, and they are tearing things down all the time. And today, in Nehemiah chapter 3, I want to show you from these names that Nehemiah is just a great leader in giving us some pointers on how we can get along and work together. So I hope it's not just only helping you in terms of a church, but in your own life, in your workplace, how do we work well along with people? At this point, Nehemiah is during the return era. The Jewish people, they are in exile, and they are, they are in exile, but the, the Babylonian Empire collapsed, Persian Empire came out. They allowed the people to return back to rebuild their land. And Nehemiah, in chapter 2, we talk, he has been waiting on the Lord. He trusted the Lord. He prayed. He planned. He testified that God is going to help him through. And finally, he made it to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. And when he arrived there, he replenished his resources. He rested for three days. He assessed the need at night to see what needs to be done. And then he recruited workers to do the work. Not only he recruited workers, but he inspired confidence in them that it is for the glory of God. And then lastly, he has to handle oppositions. And now, finally, it is beginning to start to look good. And now, after assessing the needs, Nehemiah put a plan together and they started working. At the outset, there are two things that I want to mention about Nehemiah. You read through Nehemiah, two things in chapter 3 tell me something about Nehemiah. He has an extraordinary gift of administration and organization. He was able to mobilize and empower 44 separate groups of people for the ingenious task of rebuilding the walls. 44. There is no doubt came about because of his careful assessment, remember? Last week we mentioned. So he has an extraordinary gift of administration and organization skill. And second thing that I could think of, chapter 3, is how people working together can accomplish more than if just one person tried to do all the work. If you go home today and read through Nehemiah chapter 3, try to underline the words next to him, next to them, after him, after them, the many people that are doing the work. And that is why it takes only 52 days to rebuild. 52 days, all it takes. It requires exceptional skill and, and ability to handle this project. So this morning, I want to give you, uh, I forgot about this, about working with people. It works well with others. 
and by others I mean horses. And here he said, I work well with others as long as they leave me alone. Uh, it's always difficult to work with people. People are very, very complex. Some people are more complex than others. As a pastor, I have to handle all kinds of people, and some are harder to handle than others. But today, this passage, <coughs> it gives us five, five points. I want to give you five points. Five recognitions uh, to work well with others. Five recognitions to work well with others. If you can recognize these five things in this passage, it will help you a great deal in working well with others, especially in this church with the first service, amalgamate, different culture, different age group, different needs, different people, and all kinds of How do we work well with others so that we can maintain the unity that God wants us to maintain. The first thing you need to recognize, probably the most important of all, if you forget the rest of the four points, you fall asleep, that's fine. Don't forget this point, okay? Number one, very important, and that is to recognize the purpose of the work. If you can recognize the purpose of the church ministry, the purpose of the work, whether it's building, whatever, if you can recognize it and look beyond what is the purpose of it all, you look at a bigger picture, it will help you to work well with people. There'll be lesser conflict. Believe me, get this right. Recognize the purpose of the work. Let me show to you what was Nehemiah's number one concern of the purpose of work. You know what is it? That we sang about just now in two songs. So when you sing, pay attention to the words. We sang about it twice in two separate songs. And number one, Nehemiah's number one goal is to bring glory to God. He is not there to build his reputation. He is not there to, to build his organization, that everybody knows Nehemiah is a great builder. He is not interested in those things. He is only interested in the glory of God. God must take the glory, nothing else. And look at chapter, I, I give this hint, look at chapter 1 verse 3 when he was still a cupbearer and when this person returned back to tell him about what happened in Jerusalem. He said, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. We are in disgrace. As a Jerusalem, as a city of God is in disgrace. He feels sad. He said, I must do something for the restore the glory of God. And Nehemiah chapter 2 that we read about last week, after he surveyed the walls, he said to the people, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come on, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. Come on, this is the city of God. The Gentiles delighted in mocking their Jewish neighbors by pointing out the terrible condition of Jerusalem. I mean, you boast about Jerusalem as a great city. Look at what is happening. Look at Psalms 48. How great is the Lord. How deserving of praise in the city of our God which sits on His holy mountain. It is high. It is magnificent. The whole earth rejoices to see it. Mount Zion, the holy mountain, is the city of the great King. God Himself is in Jerusalem's towers revealing Himself as His defender. Hey, but what's happening now? He's lying in ruin. He's lying in disgrace. He's not even protect your own citizen. 
Shame on you. And so Nehemiah burned within him to restore the glory of God. And look again in Psalms 87. On the holy mountain stands the city founded by the Lord. So Jerusalem is a city founded by the Lord. He loves the city of Jerusalem more than any other city in Israel. Oh, city of God, what glorious things are said of you. But what is happening now? He's burned in disgrace. Oh, Nehemiah burned with him. Want to restore the glory of God. Why were, if God loved Jerusalem so much, why were the walls in ruin and the gates burned? Why was the holy city a disgrace? Why didn't the Jews do something about it? For so many years they tried, but it's in vain. And so Nehemiah was able to build his team around this central rallying point. He pointed them to the purpose of the work. That's for the glory of God. No one is to take credit. It's for the glory of God. They weren't just working on wars. They were worshipping their God. It's just like someone, uh, a group of people were building a church. And then there's a group of people laying bricks. So this person went to one person and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm laying brick. And he went to another person. What are you doing? He said, I'm building a cathedral. You know what's the difference? You see the bigger picture. I'm not just laying brick. I'm building a cathedral. Whatever you do, you're not just doing that task. You're doing it for the glory of God. You're doing it in serving the Lord. And you can see past the things that you're doing into that in glorifying God. Then we can have unity. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, what are you doing it for? For the glory of God. Because your life, your existence is, the, is for the purpose of God. So you may be doing a teller job or you may be a cook or you may be a, a mother at home looking after kids. You're doing it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do is a means, not an end in itself. It's a means to glorify the Lord. This morning I preached at the first service and then when I came back in again after coffee, someone left a cut on my uh, back here and reminded me to read Colossians chapter 3 verse 7 that also says the same thing. That says this. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And as a pastor, this is my life verse. All ministers need to have this. Second Corinthians chapter 4 says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So whatever we do, if we can see it as a glory of God, it can help you work with others. John 17, look at what Jesus said in a high priestly prayer. He said, I have brought you glory. How? How does Jesus brought God glory on earth? By what? By finishing the work you gave me to do. So you see the task, the work that he's assigned to do as a way to glorify God. As a way to glorify God. That comes back now to my text in Nehemiah chapter 1. Look at where it starts. Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests, they went to work 
and rebuilt where? The sheep gate. They dedicated it and they set its doors in place. Sheep gate. It is another way of saying, well, let's start with that. Put God first. Close to the wall's northeast corner, this, this gate provided easy access to the temple and was given this name, Sheep Gate, because of all the sheep that entered through it to be sacrificed. So the starting point, the first thing they build, Nehemiah and Shur, the priest, is the Sheep Gate. Put God first. All for the glory of God. And by beginning there, Nehemiah is establishing that their relationship with God was central. This was the most important place to start. And so, in order for us to work well with others, the first recognition that you need to have is recognize the purpose of the work and the purpose is to bring glory to God. If you get that, the rest of the poor points you don't know is fine. So those who want to sleep, you can sleep now, okay? You can start to shut your eyes now. Uh, it's fine with me. Uh, th th that's the first thing. Recognize the purpose of the work is for the glory of God. So whatever we do in this church, rebuilding, raising funds, we do it for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Second thing you need to recognize to work well with others is that God uses all kinds of people. God don't just use one type of people. You must recognize that God uses all kinds of people. Do you know when we study the chapter 3, you know how many different types of people are there? Only carpenter? No. Look, first and foremost, there's high priest. Right? The fellow priest, they rebuild the sheep gate. And then verse 8, you have goldsmith. You have goldsmith there. You have perfume makers there. One of the perfume makers makes repairs next to that. And then you have merchants there helping to rebuild the gate. One of the goldsmiths made repairs, merchant and servant. And then, and then verse 32, you have goldsmiths and merchants mentioned again, uh, made repairs. And then there's a ruler of a half district of Jerusalem. repair the next so he's a ruler of a half district maybe he's like a mayor of Manningham or something like that I don't know and then Shalom he's ruler of a half district and then interestingly he said repair the next section with the help of his daughters so how sad people have the theology that women cannot be in ministry how sad this kind of silly uh, theology you know with the help of his daughters to rebuild. And then you have ruler, not just half, the down gate was repaired by Malkijah, son of Recap, ruler of the district. So it's not just half, so it's bigger. Huh? He's in charge of a bigger area. Uh, also, uh, so you have perfume maker, you have merchants, you have goldsmith, you have all kinds of people. And then Malkijah, it's the same name but different now. Son of Harim. Repair. Now I want to highlight this name because I want, to, I want to tell you something about this person, Malkija. He repaired another section. Malkija, if you study Ezra chapter 10, Ezra chapter 10, 
listed down those who were guilty of intermarriage. The Jewish people must marry the Jewish people, but some of them intermarried the Gentiles. So in Ezra chapter 10, they list down all these people and their descendants. They come down from, from these people who disobey God and intermarriage. Malkijah, son of Haram, Harim. And then look at Ezra chapter 10. From the descendants of Harim, the name Malkijah is there. Malkijah was guilty of intermarriage. Could we say that this man who had taken a wife that he should not have, who was a backslider, effectively now is engaged and restored in the work of the Lord? Yeah? Still can serve the Lord. Throughout Scripture, we see that God used all different kinds of people and can I even add, He uses imperfect people. I never quite understood why Jesus chose the individuals He did, but I'm guessing His reasoning was to further prove the validity of His being. He didn't call the popular, He didn't call the successful one, the rich one, uh, but rather people who are broken, people who are poor, don't believe me? Let me give you a list, right? Abraham, he was old. God called him, he was 75 years old. Elijah, he was suicidal. He wanted to take his own life. Joseph, he was abused. Job, he went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon, he was afraid. Samson, he was a womanizer. Rahab, prostitute. He was a prostitute. Samaritan women, divorced many times. Noah, he was a drunk. Jacob, he was a cheater. Jeremiah, he was very young. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Jesus. How many times? Three times. Martha, Martha was a worrier. Anyone is a worrier here? When you can't sleep at night? Yeah? Your mind worrier? Yes? Don't worry, okay? Be happy. <laughs> Don't worry. Martha was a worrier. He worried about preparing food for Jesus. Jesus come with 12 disciples, 13 grown-up men. Wow, a lot of onion, a lot of garlic to chop, a lot of firewood. And my dear sister Mary, instead of helping me, went and talked to Jesus. No, I cannot stand anymore, went and tell Jesus, come on, man, get Mary to come and work. I got roti to make, you know. Thirteen grown-up men. And Jesus said, oh, Mary, you worry about too many things. Martha, you worry about too many things. I'm not here for your food. I'm here to spend time with you. Zacchaeus, whether it's small, and probably very greedy for money. He swindled a lot of people's money. The disciples fell asleep 
while praying. Paul, a Pharisee who persecuted Christians before becoming one. You tell me, right? Is it not true that right throughout the Bible, God uses all kinds of people, especially people who are broken? There was a story about a conference was going on in a workshop. I might have said this before. A hammer. Mr. Hammer was in the chair. The meeting informed him that he must leave because he was too noisy. Hammer is very noisy. And then the hammer said, well, if I go, Mr. Jim Lert must go too. He's so insignificant, he makes very little impression. And Mr. Jim Lert arose and said, well, if I go, then Mr. Screw must go. You have to turn him around, 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 around to get him anywhere. And then Mr. Screw said, well, if you wish, I will go. But Mr. Plain, they must go as well. His work is all on the surface and has no depth. Mr. Plain said, well, Mr. Ruler will have to withdraw if I do. He's always measuring other people as if he's the only one perfect. And Mr. Ruler complained about Mr. Sandpaper. He's always rubbing people up the wrong way. He's so rough. And in the midst of all this discussion, the carpenter of Nazareth walked in and began his daily work. He used all of the tools. And after the day's work was all over, Mr. Saul arose and said, Friends, I perceive that we are all workers together with God. So if you want to work together well, you must remember that God uses all kinds of people. You must believe that. God uses all kinds of people. Number three, you want to work together well, you must recognize that some people will never work. Some people will never work. Can you accept that? Ingrained into your mind, if somebody don't work, the person don't work. Some people will never work. And in verse 5, it tells us someone refused to work. In verse 5, the next section was repaired by the man from Tekoa. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. I tried to read other versions of the Bible to capture a better meaning what do you mean by their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors? New Living Translation says, Next were the people from Tekoa, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. And then the message version by Eugene Peterson, next to him was people from Tekoa, except for their nobles who wouldn't work with their master and refuse to get their hands dirty with such work. And then the good news version, the men of Tekoa built the next section. But, instead of putting the noble, but the leading men of the town, leading men of the town, refused to do the manual labor assigned them by the supervisors. Now, you must understand that Tekoa is a town that is about 18 kilometers away from Jerusalem. And some of these people literally have to commute to the job site. But the nobles, the leaders of the town, 
Chakasiki. You know what's Chakasiki? I learned this phrase when I first came to Australia in Bible college. Chakasiki. I said, what's Chakasiki? You throw in the sick leaf, you know. Chakasiki. There's some Aussie here, am I right? Chakasiki. <laughs> so people from the Noble, they're Chakasiki. They're, they call in sick. But they're sick, it's not one day, 52 days. They suffer from some sort of a depression, which is the easiest to take a, 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 some kind of medical leave. Because you can't. They say that in the future, 70% of all illness are mental. 70% of all illnesses in the future are mental. Uh, and it will bankrupt us with the disability pension, I tell you. That is one thing that will bankrupt this country. Uh, their nobles would not put their shoulders to work. Uh, the leaders refuse to work. And because they refuse to submit to authority. The, the text actually says they refuse to participate in the work of God because they didn't want to follow orders. They would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisor. They cannot submit themselves to the leader. They cannot. Maybe they are nobles. Maybe they are PhD. You know, I submit to this person who has no education or something like that. Refuse to submit. And so if you want to work well together, you have to accept that some people will never work. Some people will never work. It's like that. That's life. Some people will never work. And, and we cannot too mark down with people because some people may not work now, but they may work in the future because spiritual life is a journey. Haven't you changed as well? Yes? I hope you have changed in the last 10 years. No? apart from your size. No? You change. You change. So we should not lock in people forever and assess people based on what they are 20 years ago. Oh, he's always like that. What do you mean he's always like that? 20 years is no. So, so let's accept, in order to work well together, accept that some people will never work. Maybe I shouldn't put the word will never. You know, that kind of but there are some people who never work, right? Accept that. Uh, and, and in order to work well together, you just accept these people. Some people will never work. In life, sometimes we have, you just have to accept people as who they are. We have to learn to accept people as who they are. Sometimes it's not deliberate. Sometimes there are certain natures like that. They cannot change one. And we just have to learn to accept it. Number four, in order to work well together, we must recognize that some people will do more work. Hallelujah. Yeah, can I hear hallelujah? Well, some people don't work. Some people will do more work. Praise the Lord. There are many in our congregation and there are many in the first service. They do more work. Praise the Lord for this kind of people. As you read through chapter three, you are going to see Thankfully, see, then came the people of the Koa, where the nobles and the leaders refused to work. The people actually do extra job to cover up for this leader that refused to work. Repaired another section. Right throughout, you see certain people 
they finish their work, they go on and build another section. The section has been assigned to them, they finish the work, all right, I'm finished faster, I'm faster than you, I go on and rebuild another section. Look at this. Next down the line, listen to this, Binui, son of Hanadat. He's the leader of the other half of the district. Look at him. And then this is verse 18, okay? And then look, look down to verse 24. Binui, son of Hanadat, who rebuilt what? Another section. Another section. Finish his work, move on to rebuild another section. And then verse 4, Meshulam. Meshulam, son of Barakiah. And then look at verse 30. While Meshulam, son of Barakiah, rebuilt the wall across from where he lived. And then Malkijah, son of Harim, repaired where? Another section. Another section as well. And then, uh, and then verse 19. Ruler of Mispat, Iza, Iza, repaired another section. And then verse 21, Meramal, son of Uriah, repaired another section. While there are people who uh, don't work, they are bound to have others who do more work. But of course, if everybody do their work, then it's lighter for everyone. Next week, I'm going to get the Sunday school uh, Evelyn to come forward to share because Sunday school we need we do need some helpers because of this kind of regulation that's imposed on the safe church uh, you know you need certain numbers in order for it even to run um, because of all this kind of uh, church safe policy that's imposed by the government you need two teachers to this this you know you, you need a ratio right and so so that kind of put in a, a bit of a difficulty for us when we are we are in need of extra helpers. So if everybody just kind of be able to help out a little bit, I, um, uh, Evelyn will come and, and share with us, see how you can help. So there are some people who will do more work, some people who don't mind, they have a right perspective, right spiritual maturity. Well, if I can do more work, I'm able to do more work, why not? Why not? It's all for the glory of God. It's all to your credit. Anyway, if you can do more, why not? You can spare more time to do something for the Lord, do extra things for the work, why not? I have come to realize as a pastor, the most effective way to get things done is to get those who are busy. I'm telling you, I've learned that, really. People who are busy have the ability to get things done. People who have time, they are not in the habit of getting things done. So get those who are busy, they'll get things done for you, fast and quick. Martin Luther used to say that a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, suffers nothing, is worth nothing. You want a cozy religion, then Christianity is not. Go to New Age or something. A religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. C.S. Lewis said, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of wine would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. C.S. Lewis said, I don't recommend Christianity. J.C. Rye said, a religion that costs nothing is worth nothing. 
a cheap Christianity without a cross will prove in the end a useless Christianity without a crown. Can I repeat that again? A cheap Christianity without a cross will prove in the end a useless Christianity without a crown. You want a crown? Go through the cross. So some people will do more. You have to accept, in order to work well together, some people will do more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I'm thankful to God for many in our church who do more than their call of duty. Amazing, incredible commitment that God will reward you handsomely uh, in the future. The last point I want to give to you in order to work well together is to recognize that some work with zeal and enthusiasm. Out of all the names mentioned in chapter 3, there was only one man who was mentioned that worked zealously. Interestingly, if you look to chapter 4, verse 6, Nehemiah said that everybody worked with all their heart. But in, in, in verse uh, 20, it says this guy, next to him, Baruch. Remember this name? Baruch, son of Zebai, zealously repaired another section. Zealously. See, he done his work already. Oh, there's more work to do. Okay, come on, I'll do it. No a burden. Okay, la, I do it for you. La. Because you asked me, I do it. Okay. Like a burden. No burden at all. Baruch. Zealously repaired another section. From the angle to the entrance of the house of Elisha, the high priest. The Hebrew word for zealously means to burn or glow. Glow. You can see the glow on his face in serving the Lord. The glow. Baruch burned a lot of energy. He was not just serving, he was on fire. He was on fire. Everybody was working hard, there's no doubt about it. But in the crowd of committed construction workers, Baruch stood out from the rest. He stood out, zealously served the Lord. And when you zealously serve the Lord, it keeps you in the race. It keeps your spirit right. Otherwise, bitterness and all this kind of spirit will eat you up. You keep your spirit right as you serve the Lord. There's a story uh, by Eli Weiser, the Jewish uh, author. Uh, he wrote this story. He said there was a man uh, comes to Sodom hoping to save the city. So he pickets. What else can he do? He goes from street to street, from marketplace to marketplace, shouting, Men and women, repent! What you are doing is wrong. It will kill you. It will destroy you. They laugh at him. But he goes on shouting. Until one day, a child stops him and says to him, Poor stranger, don't you see it's useless doing that? Nobody's listening to you. You're wasting your time. It's like those evangelists that stood outside Flinders Street Station, stood there preaching the gospel. Nobody listen. 
So this child went and talked to this man and said, don't you see it's useless? The man said, yes, I know it's useless. If you know it's useless, then why do you do that? He said, well, in the, f in the beginning, I was convinced that I would change them by doing that. By go on shouting because I now don't want them to change me. He see what he's doing is a prevention of them saving him, changing him. So when we serve the Lord, you keep yourself in the race. I tell many people, I need the church more than the church needs me. Because it keeps me in the race. When we serve the Lord, it keeps you in the race. It keeps you running the race. And so those are the five recognitions that you need to hold on to if we are going to work well together. Recognize that it is for the glory of God. Recognize that God uses all kinds of people so that you won't judge people too fast. Recognize that some people would never work. And thankfully, recognize that some people would do more work and some people will serve God zealously. Let me close with this story. There was a water barrier in China. This man, he had two large pots hung on the ends of a pole. You know, that those days, early days, you had to carry two pots of water, which he carried across his neck. But one of the pots had a crack in it, while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water. At the end of the long walk from the stream to the house, the cracked pot arrived only half full. For a full two years, they went on daily, with the burial delivering only one and a half pots full of water to his house. Of course, the perfect pot was proud of, it, proud of its accomplishment, perfect for which it was made. But the poor cracked pot was ashamed of his own imperfection and miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what he had been made to do. But after two years of what it perceived to be a bitter failure, finally the crackpot spoke up to the master. He said, Master, I'm ashamed of myself. And because this crack in my sight causes water to leak out all the way back to your house, I'm very sorry. But the bearer, the master said to the pot, did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path but not on the other pot side? Because I've always known about your flaw and I planted flower seeds on your side of the path and every day while we walk back you have watered them. For two years I've been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate the table and without you being just the way you are there would not be this beautiful not this beauty to grace the house you know each of us has our own unique flaws we are all crackpots 
thoughts. When I said this in the first service, they laughed. I don't know why. <laughs> we are all crack pots, not clock pots. Huh? But it's the cracks and flaws we each have that make our lives together so very interesting. In fact, at a coffee table after the service, this man came to me and said, I'm a crackpot. I said, me too. I said, crack everywhere. In fact, I told him, I said, God can only use crackpots. God can only use crackpots. And the older you grow, the more crack you find. But the good thing is God can use crack pots to advance his kingdom. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for Nehemiah chapter 3. Thank you for the wisdom that uh, Nehemiah gave to us. We are all crack pots. Uh, we thank you, Lord. You specialize in using broken people. Because every saint has a past and every sinner always has a future. Thank you, Lord. You're a good God. Thank you that you're able to use all kinds of people right throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation you use broken people. You never use perfect people. You specialize in using imperfect people. People don't have it all together. People who feel inadequate all the time. People who are broken. You love to use these people. And we thank you that there is hope in Jesus has always hope in Jesus and we thank you for that help us in our own endeavor to serve you uh, not to be too quick to judge people because everybody is on their own spiritual journey they may not arrive there yet and we thank you that people who are, have been patient with us too in our past we thank you that you use all kinds of people and we accept that some people at this moment they will not work but we thank you that some people will do more and work so zealously and ultimately all for the glory of God and we thank you as we sing this closing song Lord we are reminded of your sacrifice and uh, we gladly joyfully uh, use our lives to serve you thank you Lord we bless you we love you in Jesus name Amen. Would you stand and sing this beautiful, one of my favorites, song?
Thank you. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice on the cross. Thank you that our lives here is to serve you. We bless you. May you be with us as we leave this place. May the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, His unconditional and unfailing love of God, and the amazing, empowering presence and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit、uh, be with you all now. And forevermore. Amen.